0: side This is Andy. I'm so thankful that you're listening or watching, wherever you are—in your car, or at home, on a computer, on your iPhone, any phone at all. I'm just glad you're into with us. And it is summer. Uh, it is uh, summer's full swing. It is summertime with the weather, and I'm just so glad that we are reconnecting as a church after the pandemic. And then we're going to start to rethink things in about a month or so, and then. You know, Sooner or later, September is going to be here, and we're going to relaunch not only Fireside, but you guys are going to be relaunching some of your rhythms with your work, kids for school, and all that. But I'm so glad you guys are listening, because I do believe that this is God's word, not just to me, but for all of us. And if you're just joining us on the series, we are in our series of values. Uh, Mr. Webb talked taught, uh, taught to us last week and on Father's Day, and I just really appreciate his honesty and him being real with us. And if you you can go back and check that out. And that's not necessarily part of our values, but it definitely is a value that we have as believers in Christ, that our Father in heaven is our true Father. And today we want to talk about uh, a sermon that actually I preached on this passage in the pandemic over a year ago. But now I want to preach on it again through the lens of our values of Fireside. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right into Luke chapter 5. And this is when Jesus is in the midst of his ministry. He's with his disciples. People are coming to, to, to listen to his teachings. He's doing healings. And we pick up in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Luke 5, 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, lowered him in on his mat, through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith... I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them. Look what he had been, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray. God. Let us be like these men who cared for their friend, that we would do anything to bring our friends and the people we loved, our family, to the foot of Jesus. That we wouldn't be a barrier to stretchers, but we would be a stretcher barrier. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. A couple weeks ago, I interviewed my grandmother for our values series. And one thing I love about my grandmother is her heart for sure, her her stories, but she also is a great gift giver. And so she would think about gifts and one year, about I would say 10, 15 plus years ago, she gave me a jackknife that had my name on it. It said Andy on it. And I remember getting this jackknife and thinking, you know, uh, back when I was a boy, I would whittle things and I would do all these cool things with jackknives. But now that I'm older, I usually use my toolbox. And I'm like, I I don't have a lot of use like I used to for these knives. So I put it in the car, one of my cars. And each of my cars has a, a knife. One has a Leatherman. This one has my andy jackknife from my grandmother in the car in the minivan and so I put it in there and put it in the glove compartment and tucked it away as a just in case you know you never know what you're going to use it for if there's going to be you know uh, a a time where you see a bank robbery and you need to come in and and (laughs) save the day or if you're going to have to go tackle a beast or whatever you you never know where you're going to need a jackknife so I had it in there just in case well, last year, when Ellie was still around, and Ellie was a foodie, as many of you know, she loved this restaurant called The Paddle Inn, which is downtown New Bearport. And the reason why she loved it is because she saw the owner of it on the Food Network, and so we went to pick up our food. And so I parked in the 15-minute lot. This was in the middle of the pandemic. <coughs> Excuse me. And I went and picked up the food, and I came back, and Emmy, my second oldest, had tied her seatbelt around her and Emmy was trying to get out of it and she had done it wrong wasn't clipped in it was just kind of looped around her and every time she breathed it would get tighter and if you know anything about seatbelts when you lock it you can only unlock it by giving into it and then pulling it back and so I was trying to do that, but as I was trying to pull it in, it wouldn't let me pull back and it was getting tighter and tighter and tighter to the point where Emmy started panicking and saying, Dad, I really can't breathe. Help me. So I had a decision to make. What do I do? I I was out of options in terms of trying to get her out of it. It was too tight, and she was losing oxygen. I know, this is a crazy story, right? And so I was going to call 911, and then I realized that I had put a knife in the glove compartment. I go, find my Andy knife, ching, and I slice the seatbelt, and I make it breathe. You never know... When you are going to be in a position of need. And when you are in that position, do you have the tools? Do you have the people around you to help you? In this story, the man who was paralyzed was in need and he had friends to help him bring him to Jesus when he couldn't himself. My dad, and I've said this before, my dad's famous saying was, the better to have and not need than to need and not have. And and he would put these apple pies from McDonald's in his glove compartment. I'd put jackknives in. he put... Apple pies, and so when we'd be driving and say, "Dad, I'm really hungry," he's like, "Well, we'll grab an apple pie," you know, and then I'd open it up, and there would be fruit, and it'd be pies, and be anything you wanted, because his nightmare, his fear, would be in a place or in a position where he didn't have what he needed, so he would over prepare. Last week, uh, Steve Cobsig Ben Fitzgerald, Connor, uh, Steve's neighbor Justin, great guy. We met two other awesome dudes up on the mountain. We hiked like 22 plus miles, eight peaks, the whole presidential traverse in one day. It took us about 14 and a half hours. I'm still trying to recover from that. But as we were packing, we were trying to figure out every scenario in which we would be in a position of need, and how are we going to get through it. So some had a survival kit. Some had rain stuff. Some had uh, fire starters. We had first aid kits. We had all extra socks. Because as we were going up, there was a sign that said, you are now entering America's worst recorded weather. Be prepared. Are you prepared? There's going to be times in your life where you are going to need people to carry you to Jesus. And do you have those people in your life right now? I believe that America, Westerners in general, try to avoid this idea of being someone who's in need. We want to value independence. Can I help you? No, I'm all set. I don't need you. I don't need anyone. And I feel like this is so sad. The founder Cindy is the founder of Kupenda and she partners with Leonard who lives in Kenya and who runs Kupenda in Kenya, came to America, from Kenya, first time in America. And I asked him once, like, what is the thing that stands out to you the most? And I'm thinking he's going to say all the big houses, the cars, the money. And he said two things. The first thing he said, it's clean. There's not a lot of trash everywhere. And I will say that we as Americans have done a lot better job than we were doing before with picking up uh, trash. And I'm not saying we're perfect, we're, we're where we want to be, but we're doing better. And if you've ever been to a developing country, it's pretty dirty and there is trash strewn everywhere. But the second thing he said was this. He said, your neighbor could die and you wouldn't even know it. He was calling on uh, us out on our lack of community. He was actually hurting for us when I thought he would be hurting because of us because he would be jealous but no 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 he was hurting because of us and he's like you think you have everything you need but you're lacking the one thing you truly need and that's people in your life Firestart, our value is that we want to be a group of people who are stretcher your barriers bears that we are bringing people to Jesus that we are in people's life when they're in need. That they can't get to Jesus. You know, Paul writes something that's pretty refreshing. And, and I'm going to explain why I'm going to read this in a little bit. But this is what Paul says in Romans 8:26. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. One thing that I thought was very fascinating about this is that Paul is kind of recognizing that there are times where we aren't going to pray the right way, or maybe pray at all. But the Spirit will pray for us. I also think that there, but Paul's acknowledging that there are going to be times in your life where you are going to have a hard time seeing and going to Jesus. Even if you are a believer and a Christian, we are experiencing this ourselves. I'm going to be completely honest with you that since Ellie's been passed, it's been hard for me to pray the way I used to pray. I'm hoping that many of you aren't shocked. Like, well, he's a pastor, and this is what he does. It's like, I'm just going to be real with you that there are times. It's not my disbelief in Jesus. No, no, no. I I believe that Jesus is in the arms. I believe that Ellie's in the arms of Jesus right now in heaven in eternity. I believe that to be true. I believe that He is sovereign. That He is good. But right now, I'm having a little bit of a hard time to do the prayers that I used to do to go that depths of conversation, and so I I need the Spirit to hear my. Gr- groans my wordless groans if you're in that position right now if your circumstances right now are just overtaking you and you feel like you know what you know i i I believe in jesus i trust in him but right now i just am having a hard time coming up with the words of what to say to him and and that's okay just trust trust that he is listening to your wordless groans that paul has said Likewise, I believe that when we're in these positions, that there are people positioned in our life that can help us bring us to Jesus when we are unable to do so. And the question is, do you have those people in your life, even when you're not in a position of need? Not if these times will come, but when. Do you have people who would throw you in a stretcher and do whatever it takes to bring you to the foot of Jesus when all you have is wordless groans? And when Jesus looks up, and it says in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, see, your faith can affect the faith of others. Your faith can affect the faith of others, both good and bad. See, these guys, they didn't stop. They were so eager to get their friend to Jesus that they would be embarrassed by going on top of a roof and, and digging a hole and lowering their friend in the midst of a crowd. It didn't matter. These Pharisees and teachers of the law were were not letting them come through and you you guys got to go away. You don't belong here. And they didn't care. They did whatever it took to bring their friend to Jesus. Would you do the same in someone's life? Because your faith can affect the faith of others. The reason this is a value for us, and I'll get this into a little bit more, but I heard something the other day that really spoke to me, is that we want to create organized environments for organic relationships. Because we want people to have people. We want when people are are in need, that they would have people to put them on a stretcher and do whatever it takes to bring them to the foot of Jesus when they're not able to do so. This goes for both people outside of the church, outside of Fireside, as well as people inside. See, one of the things that we do as Fireside, we want to create, we organize environments. We have tables, we have our Sunday gatherings, we have a summer side, we'll have a Bible study, we'll have women's groups, men, we, we have these things. But the purpose is that organic relationship will establish because it's easier for someone to abandon a program than to abandon a relationship. See, if you just check out of and leave a program, whatever it may be, people just kind of sh- scratch you off the attendance, sheet, the attendance sheet, but you can't leave a relationship. <laughs> you're not going to say, hey, no longer do I want to be friends with you. I am exiting. I Count me out. No, 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 no. See, if you're going through a struggle, and we all go through it, and you're just like, you know what? I just can't walk through the motions right now. My hope is that you have people saying, you know what, let me walk with you. Let me walk for you. Let me help you get to the foot of Jesus because you can't abandon a relationship. So that's the good, but what about the bad? I wanna give you some statistics in America the research says about 90% of Americans, and some say 80, but 80 to 90% of Americans believe in God. Not the biblical God, but God or a higher power. In other words, they're spiritual of some sort. Less than 5%, one study says 2.4% of people are atheists. That just say, I just don't believe in God at all. So that's a very small amount. But 90% believe in something and they're searching. And, and only about 50% of Americans are believers, Christians that are actively in their faith, if that and that number is decreasing. So when I look at those numbers, you can say, you no know, one that's depressing, or you can say it's encouraging, but people are searching. They're looking for God, they want to come to the foot of Jesus. I rarely hear someone say, the reason I don't believe in Jesus is because I don't believe in what he stands for. (laughs) Usually what I hear has something to do with their disagreement with how Christians live their life or what the church has done or they perceive the church to be doing. In fact, the church does not become a stretcher bearer, but it becomes a barrier to stretchers. This is so heartbreaking that the mechanism in which God placed in the world to bring people to Jesus is oftentimes the thing that is keeping people from Jesus. This is absurdity. So we need to rethink things and say, how can we not be barriers to stretchers? Instead, how can we do whatever it takes to put someone on the mat and bring them to the foot of Jesus? Can I get an amen? And this is a hard thing. So we need to evaluate ourselves. This is not a new thing. You know, so Paul looked at the world as more optimistically when he went to Greece. And Act Seventeen, he goes, and Greece was, you know, the Greek gods, Zeus, and all these, all these um, gods that you have read about, and they had all these idols and names, and and so Paul goes there, and he sees this one statue that says to the unknown god, and he looks at their spiritual life, though they're not believing in the right god, but they are searching, and he says, the god in who you say is unknown, I can make known to you, and then he says. His name is Jesus. He was crucified and resurrected. He is the God who created everything. You can't create God. That's what they thought with these idols. God created you. And many start thinking, because they're searching. And Paul was in a position to preach and proclaim who Jesus is. He becomes a stretcher bearer. The people who were blocking these men from bringing their friend to Jesus were teachers of the law. These Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of that time. You don't belong here is what they're saying. They're coming with their friends. We just need They bring them to Jesus. Jesus can heal them. Jesus can do mighty works. They're like, no, 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 no. We don't accept your kind. Get in the back. We're trying to learn here. (laughs) We're trying to grow here. In a sense, they become a barrier. One of the things that we want to do at Fireside is we want to remove every barrier so people can experience the resurrection of Jesus. We want to do whatever it takes to put people at the foot of Jesus. So they can experience who he is. We can experience his resurrection. That our being, our purpose on this life is to serve and worship him. And we want everyone to know that and believe that and to live that. And we would do whatever it takes. It could be embarrassing. It can be hard, physically hard to get somebody up on a rooftop and then Dig a hole and the draw draw lower this man down. You gotta imagine how physically hard that is, but that's just a glimpse of what God is calling us to do. If you look at Paul's life, how hard his life was, and he just says it doesn't matter how hard it was because it I will rejoice in my weakness, because when I am weak I am strong. He was a stretcher bearer. I give you a couple things that Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 for 4, he says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we are committed ourselves in every way. And then Acts 15, the Council of Jerusalem. Here's all the heads of the church trying to figure out this Gentile, these non-Jews who are being, um, becoming Christians, or following Jesus, or being Changed. They're, they're, they're changed all over the place. The Holy Spirit has obviously come upon them and they're trying to figure out, like, what's going on here. And in Acts 15 19, at the end of Paul kind of giving these testimonies, like, I'm telling you guys, these people who you wouldn't expect to be believers, they're being touched by the Holy Spirit. Their life is being transformed and they have been living a transformed life. I'm telling you, it's real. I'm seeing it. And they're debating all these things. What do you mean? If you didn't grow up in the church, right? If you weren't Jewish, you can't be a christian he's like yes i am seeing it and then james stands up the brother of jesus stands up and he says this it is my judgment therefore that we should not make it difficult for the gentiles who are turning to god Whoo! i love what james said he just mike dropped it right there in the council Because they were saying, you got to be circumcised. You got to eat the foods that we eat. You got to do what we do. And James is saying, we can't make it difficult. Fire said, we want to put an on ramp onto Jesus. We want to be stretcher bearers. We want to remove the obstacles, whatever they may be. The church has a bad rap right now. People will look at it and say, Jesus is not blocking me to Jesus, it's you. The hypocrisy, the judgments, any perception that they may have. I've had conversation over conversation. When I hear people's story, they just talk about the hurt and the brokenness. When we should be bringing people to Jesus, we often find ourselves blocking people from them. Can we be a church that are stretcher bearers, not barriers to stretchers? And do whatever it takes to bring people to the foot of Jesus. That they would experience his healing. In Jesus, the number one thing that he does is the forgiveness of sins so that we may spend eternity with him. That's bigger than any physical healing that we could have on this earth. And he makes that clear. The forgiveness of sins allows us to be with him in eternity. That doesn't compare to this earth. But because I want you to see that I have the authority to do that. I'm gonna give you some evidence here on earth. Get up and walk. And he heals them to show us power. Let's not be barriers to stretchers. Let's be stretcher bearers. Let's do what it takes. Let's remove the obstacles. Let's make it easy. Let's make them see the church and say, I want what they have. I want to be, I want I'm attracted to that, not detracted by that. I see how they love each other. I see how they care each other. I see that when one is in need, that they position theirself around a community that picks them up and brings them to Jesus. I see a community that when they can't pray themselves, the people are praying for them. I see a community that when they can't get out of their own way, that they are pointing to Jesus who is the way. That's my hope. That's my hope. Let's be stretcher bears. Lord, let us have eyes to see who needs to be carried right now. Lord, let us have eyes to see how we are positioning our place right now in a community full of stretcher bearers, that when we're down, they would lift us up. Lord, help us see those who may be outside of the church, who may be far from you, Lord, that we would exemplify who you want us to be in believers, Of you Jesus that they would see us and how we love and how we live how we laugh and that they would want that and that we would not make it difficult for them to come to Jesus but not and we would make it easy and we would carry them to you Jesus a God who transforms who heals who forgives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Fire said we do not have a gathering on the 4th. We'll be here online. So we'll see you soon. Love you and go and be stretcher.